Today's Cloudcast is sponsored by MongoDB. As a software engineer, chances are you've crossed paths with MongoDB at some point, whether you're building an app for millions of users or just figuring out a side hustle or a new project. As the most popular non-relational database, MongoDB is intuitive and incredibly easy for development teams to use. Now, with MongoDB Atlas, you can take advantage of MongoDB's flexible document data model as a fully automated cloud service. MongoDB Atlas handles all the costly database operations and admin tasks that you'd rather not spend time on, like security, high availability, data recovery, monitoring, and elastic scaling. So go try MongoDB Atlas today. You can visit mongodb.com slash cloudcast to learn more. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's having a good week. I'm going to apologize up front in advance. If my voice sounds like I've been gargling with uh, small pebbles, it is because the Raleigh area has just been overcome with uh, this wonderful, beautiful golden pollen, which will eventually make our, our landscaping and uh, trees and other things uh, beautiful, but it is just killing me in terms of allergies. So I apologize up front for my, uh, for my voice. Um, it's been a good week. It's been uh, sort of a, a slow week in terms of news, but there is one big piece of news because this week is Google Next Conference. The Google Cloud Platform holds their annual Google Next Conference. Um, Aaron has had a chance to be out there and attending. We will have a follow-up show that really dives into all the details there. Uh, but the one big announcement that'll sort of be the, the cornerstone of today's uh, Cloud News of the Week is Google announced what they're calling the Anthos platform. Uh, Anthos being their offering, uh, GA offering actually, um, of a couple of things that they've talked about in the past. So this is them uh, taking both what they call their cloud service platform, which was an announcement they'd made with a couple of different hardware vendors, people like Nutanix and Cisco in the past, I believe VMware as well, to kind of do a multi-cloud type of management. Uh, Also brings together what was called GKE on-prem. I think it's still called GKE on-prem, their way of doing a remotely managed on-prem offering. Um, And their uh, big announcement was they're going to extend that out to other cloud platforms. So uh, with the new uh, CEO, Mr. Kurian, uh, now in charge of Google, kind of a much bolder vision that came out of their keynote yesterday, uh, much more enterprise-y version. We'll get into more details about that in subsequent shows when Aaron's back, and we'll do a show about that. But uh, the Anthos offering is kind of becomes the umbrella brand for all of their uh, both public cloud and on-cloud or on-prem offerings. Um, And then being able to, uh, as they claim, be able to manage these types of offerings across different clouds. So um, we'll see how that kind of sorts itself out. But essentially, it is a set of services. They are they are all very container and Kubernetes centric. So it's not the full uh, blown set of AWS or I'm sorry, Google Cloud services. It's really uh, you know Kubernetes or GKE type of services um, trying to bring VM applications to containers. So some migration services that come out of the Velostrata. <laughs> acquisition, <clears throat> as well as, uh, uh, you know, some work they do around uh, the Istio service mesh, um, and then the, the CI, CD build tools that go along with it. So uh, we'll have some some links in the show notes for folks that may have been just hearing about this, but that was really the big news uh, that came out of day one of the Google Cloud uh, Next event. Um, and as we're recording this the day of, uh, we're going to try and get you that. 
So that's kind of the big news. It really aligns with what's going on in the industry around multi-cloud, around hybrid cloud, whether you're talking about uh, IBM's pending acquisition of uh, Red Hat in terms of hybrid cloud, uh, AWS looking at uh, building out Outpost as a sort of multi-cloud hybrid cloud offering, uh, Azure with Azure and Azure Stack, and then lots of different partnerships that get announced as a part of this, whether they are ecosystem partners to try and make it better or different ways of partnering to uh, to go to market. So going to wrap up this week's Cloud News of the Week. Uh, big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, both MongoDB Atlas and Datadog for sponsoring the show. And with that, we're going to get to a very interesting interview looking at kind of how uh, the SRE concept, the DevOps concept, is being extended out to networking and infrastructure teams. So look forward to that. Hey, Cloudcast listeners, before we get to today's show, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Datadog. Now, you know we've been talking about Datadog for a while now. It's the monitoring platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. But did you know that Datadog seamlessly integrates with your AWS environments so you can start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other AWS services in minutes? You can visualize key metrics, set alerts to identify anomalies, and collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues fast. So if you want to figure out how Datadog can help your AWS environment, Try it yourself for free by starting a free 14-day trial today. If you go to datadog.com slash cloudcast, not only can you start your free 14-day trial, but you get a free Datadog t-shirt. So go out to datadog.com slash cloudcast, sign up for your free 14-day trial, start monitoring your AWS environment, and get your free t-shirt. And now, on to the show. And we're back in... You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were we were talking to the folks from Google uh, about SRE, sort of the concept of SRE. Obviously, we've talked about about DevOps, and and you know, a lot of people have asked about SRE and so forth. And you know, that topic tends to be very compute centric. Uh, I know sometimes it gets talked about as infrastructure centric. Um, but a lot of times the, the comments will come back at some point and they'll say, well, you know, that, that's cool for compute because compute has, you know, concepts like VMs and containers and all this stuff. But but what about, you know, for the other part of infrastructure, things like security and storage and, and in particular networking? So, you know, today we're going to we're going to dive a little bit into sort of the networking side of what the, you know, I guess, SRE DevOps side of the world looks like. And for that, very excited to have both Matt Oswald, who has been on the show before, and uh, Derek Winkworth, who's now joining us for the first time, both from Juniper. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. It's awesome to be here. Matt, you've been on the show before. Uh, Derek, it's, it's your first time. So, uh, you know, just for audience, both so we, we get a chance to know the different voices, but also your backgrounds. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and then ultimately, you know, how you got to be working on this, uh, this new NRE stuff over at Juniper. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, Derek and I work on the enterprise marketing team, um, which is which is odd if you've if you've seen us and, and if you heard me on the last show, you'll you'll be like, what? Why, why is Matt in marketing now? Um, it's kind of a unique situation. Very cool, actually. Um, just because of the uh, you know some of the people that brought us on board, we we actually get to work still on very technical things to enable some of the things that are on Juniper's plate from a marketing perspective. Um, one of which we'll we'll talk about. Um, it's a sort of an open source initiative we've started. Um, uh, from from that perspective to help move some of these ideas forward, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of cool. Like we're you know we're we're basically we're working on um, we're working on like making sure that the industry as a whole is is ideally you know adopting a lot of the a lot of the things we're throwing down. We've noticed some some mismatches between what you know what the perception is like the hype of where automation is, and then we look at statistics from Gartner that say things like you know data center network operations are still like eighty percent CLI driven. And that's that's the data center, by the way. That's not branch and uh, you know remote sites, which is arguably worse. 
Um, and so we, we have to, we're, we're working right now on trying to reconcile how it is that we have been talking about automation for 10 years and, and yet largely clearly based on the data have, have failed. Um, and so that's what we're working on. Um, I, I, you know, um, me as a, as a, as an engineer in the marketing team, like that's the kind of stuff I like to work on, but, uh, I'll, I'll let Derek sort of, uh, talk about his background a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I've been a, a network engineer and a software engineer on and off throughout my career, um, which is, which has been, I'm, I'm glad that I did that, uh, because it, it's opened a lot of doors, um, for me, I guess, having, um, both skill sets. And, uh, I started up way back out. I was, I joined the Air Force in the nineties, uh, as a, as a, uh, Satellite communication systems programmer. That was my title. Uh, and, you know, eventually ended up uh, working in a variety of industries. Like I did disaster recovery at uh, SunGuard. Then I worked at a service provider on very large MPLS networks. And then I ended up in the financial sector working for um, what what is now Fidelity, uh, Fidelity Information Systems. And uh, probably around 2012, um, you know, I started thinking a lot about automation, um, having a, uh, some software engineering background, and I started blogging about it. And I started questioning a lot of, you know, how networking was, um, the state of networking at that time, and uh, wrote a very angry blog on Packet Pushers. I was very frustrated with something that that was going on um, uh, with an with this network solution I was developing. Um, it was called Network Interrupted on Packetbush. If you ever, ever want to go read it. And uh, subsequently became known as Cloud Toad on Twitter. And uh, no one, even even my non-tech friends in real life here in my town now call me Toad. So from there, I ended up um, you know, going to the vendor, the dark side. I ended up working for a variety of network vendors over the last few years. Uh, and now, as Matt said, I'm on the... Uh, on the marketing team and at Juniper as an engineer, which is weird and different, but also awesome. It's uh, I think I think marketing teams should have engineers um, uh, on their on their teams because it, it it's 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 invaluable. Like it's uh, I, there's never ending work for us to do, and you know there's a lot of insight we can help help you know marketers with um when when they're putting together stories and and collateral and stuff like that and communicating what you know products do and features do to to the our demographic right right yeah no and and, and i think the thing about it is it, with with so much technology coming out so frequently um and and quite honestly you know the the stuff is pretty complicated you know a lot of these things come out of they come out of open source or they come out of, you know, somewhere one of the web scale companies maybe as a, as an open source project or, you know, conceptually people are trying to do those things. So, um, yeah, it, I, I find myself that, that the product managers and, and even some of the marketing teams across a lot of different companies are be, having to become much more technical in order to be kind of considered legitimate people, people, you know, uh, people are, are learning more stuff on their own and they go to the, to the vendor websites or the project websites and, and they expect them to be very technical. So, it, you know, you need people that not only have a lot of you know, hands-on background can still get hands-on with stuff, but then also have the communication skills to do that. So whether it's blogs or podcasts or whatever it is, um, that that's a, it's, it's become an interesting combination. So it's very, very good to have both of you guys on today. Um, like I mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about SRE and, uh, you know, the, a lot of the feedback that we got from people was, you know, what about, 
What about the network? Um, obviously, like like you both mentioned, uh, we've been hearing about network automation for a long time. Um, there have been different approaches to doing that, whether it's things that are built into the networking tool sets or things like Ansible or, or other things. Um, but you guys have, have kind of started this this new concept, or at least the concept was new to me, um, which is NRE or Network Reliability Engineer. Give me the background of kind of why you got started with it and, and what it is for anybody who maybe is, is unfamiliar with it like myself. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, this is kind of funny, uh, actually. We, um, it's sort of the, the holy grail of, from a marketing perspective, right? Because actually we did not come up with the term. Um, we're certainly probably one of the more vocal voices about it. But the reason we, we've jumped on NRE is actually because we, we originally heard a lot of our customers talking about it. We, we heard uh, specifically like some of our customers in like the gaming industry um, and some of the other like large enterprises, places that I wouldn't expect actually, uh, you know, that are not immediately like, you know, they're not Google, they're not Facebook, they're not those companies. Um, we actually started to see some of our sort of regular, you know, re- average Joe kind of customers talking about it. Um, and so, you know, obviously they, you know, their, their goals are to run their businesses. And so they're not really doing, doing a lot of evangelism there, but we noticed like they're, 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 they're pulling onto this message of an NRE, not because, you know, they want to do anything, so, you know, something different. Mostly it's, it's a matter of, look, a lot of the philosophy behind SRE is, is good. Um, a lot of it can be scaled down to the average enterprise. Um, but the problem is just in the name, um, it, it, the nature of where I think the networking industry is. Um, if we have like if if an, if the if, if the average network engineer gets a sense even get even even catches a whiff that the topic that you're talking about that you're proposing that they adopt things like DevOps like SRE if they catch a whiff of like oh that's for the hyperscalers or oh that's for developers or application folks even if this isn't the case they tend to think well that's just not for me because that's not my world you know even if even even though those of us that have done this you know done this stuff, kind of stuff like in production. Um, uh, it, we know that that's not the case. We know that the network team is included in these in these philosophies, but um, it's it's difficult to see see through the see through the noise and the hype if you're if you, you know if you're if you're if you're busy putting out fires. Um, and so one of the reasons we jumped on this message, we we heard customers talking about this, and, and the main reason we're we're really working on evangelizing it is to effectively provide this like really inclusive bridge between the world of networking and all of the benefits of, and of the philosophies of, of DevOps and SRE. It's, 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 it's effectively the same, the same sort of key principles, just with a different coat of paint to make it more applicable to what most network engineers deal with in their day to day. Yeah, for sure. I, um, (laughs) one of the, the reliability pieces like is, is worth expanding on a little bit when, you know, a, a lot of people outside of networking don't, um, they don't really understand just how fragile uh, networks are and the systems that they're built with are. Uh, once you find like, uh, you know, Cisco, there's operating systems that run on switches and routers and firewalls. And, you know, it's iOS on a Cisco router and it's Junos on a, you know, Juniper switch, et cetera. Um, Arista has EOS and there's Cumulus, right? There's all these. And and those, those uh, releases tend to be very, buggy and very fragile, right? And and one of the things that we realized at Juniper is like, you know, we need to be honest about this. And and when so when you go to a you know, when I've done this in front of uh like huge uh like groups of people, I say, you know, think of three words to describe your network. And um I have never to this day ever had someone say reliable. Like it's that's not a word that comes up. Like if a new version and, and you know just to hammer on that point, if a new version of Juno's comes out Nobody thinks to themselves, well, I'm going to load this up. 
on a production device and, and see what's new. Because if they did that, they would get fired. I mean, that's you just don't do that, right? <laughs> Once you have a stable version of, of uh, an operating system on those devices, um, you tend to stick with that until until greater forces, um, you know, for, force a change. So, so going to network engineers and saying, you know, this, uh, you know, this this is about reliability, right? Ultimately, what we're saying is automation is about reliability, and that really clicks with them. That that makes them open their eyes. It's not about going faster. It's not, it's not about eliminating your jobs. It's about helping you be more reliable on what you do. Yeah, and, and that always seems to be the thing that's sometimes tough for people to connect the dots with. It's, it's you know, do, doing this stuff that is making changes will actually make you more reliable. Doing this stuff that's making changes will make you more secure, easier to audit. And it's, you know, it just, it's one of these things that like for so long, you know, people around networking have been like, yeah, yeah, but you know. It's it's better when it just works. I'll leave it alone, and um, so I, I totally get it. I, I the other thing that I, I can kind of appreciate because I know in in reading through the things that that you guys have been putting together, um, you're also kind of leveraging this this concept of of DevNet uh, DevNet Ops, right? So sort of this combination of networking and, and DevOps, and you know before people kind of get too hung up and going like, okay. These guys are just gonna like you said talk about a fresh coat of paint on something. I, I like I I can't tell people like how many customers that I'll end up talking to who are like, look, I, I know some of that stuff seems, uh, you know, semantic, like we're just, we're creating a name or we're doing it. But, but there are times when you're like, look, I'm trying to invoke change. I'm trying to make things better. And if you, yeah. if you're always calling stuff by the same name or you don't sort of align yourself to stuff that people could go Google to figure out what you're talking about, like it's kind of important. I mean, it is, it is almost the, the value of like internal marketing of we're trying to make changes. Um, and I, and I have to make something that stands out that makes you go like, Oh, what, what, what is that? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I, I, you can ask my, uh, the guy that Derek and I both report to, you can ask him. I actually pushed back on, on initially the NRE term and dev net ops was something we were playing with as well. We've kind of stopped doing that as much. Um, but just generally, yeah, tacking on the word net to these terms, it kind of makes you cringe, right? Like it made me cringe. That's That was where I was at when I first started. I was like, ugh, we got to, you know, come up with a new term. Why don't we just, you know, why do we keep effectively forking off into these other terms? But I think, again, you know, there's, there is value. There's immense value um, in, in a name. Um, there really is. Yeah. And I think... I think like, especially, like I said, even, even actually, even, even like the term dev net ops, just in that, just given that I've been, been like talking to people about this for a year, just looking at that, I I'm seeing the, the, the dev portion of that. And this is one of the reasons we don't use that specific term as much because even though like, even though there's net in the name, there's also dev in the name. And so like most network engineers are like, well, dev I'm off. Like I'm immediately, my brain is switched off. Cause it's, it's like, I've, I, inadvertently have been declassified from this conversation. Now it's, Oh, you have to be a developer to participate. I don't consider myself a developer. Therefore I'm shut off to the whole thing. And that's a shame because like the messaging behind something like that might be exclusively for a network engineer, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If it's not, if it's not explicitly in the names, something that resonates with, with the individual, it's just not going to be effective. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think NRE is a, is a better term. Um, again, not because it's new or because it's like a sexy, like different way of looking at this, but because first off, like the N and the E that's network engineering like that. You can't get away from the fact that in the name I'm included in this, in this change effort. Um, and then to Derek's point, like our, you know, reliability, like that is the point of automation. It always has been. It's just that we're being explicit about it. 
Um, and then I think the third really cool benefit is that you can't buy engineering. Like we've found our, ourselves in a place where like you can buy DevOps, even though that sounds ridiculous. Like that's what some people think, but you can't buy engineering. You just can't. It's in the name. Like you have to do engineering and that's what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, you, you, you can't really call it like, you know, PowerShell DevOps or you can't call it, you know, Python DevOps or anything along <laughs> those lines. That, but, yeah. you're, but you're right. There is a certain level of like when you when you put things out there for people that, you know, that, that sort of scare them on, on first blush, um, you know, you know, you'll 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 chase people off. So so let me ask this question. So we, we've been talking a lot about sort of kind of positioning this and changing mindsets. Let, let's talk tangibility. Um, you guys are, have put some stuff together. You've been talking about it. You mentioned you've been getting into this for, for a year plus. But like if somebody goes like, OK, I'm curious, like what are the tangible things behind what you're talking about? What have you built? Is there code behind this? Are there things people can go learn about, uh, you know, to kind of dig into seeing if this makes sense for them? Um, yeah, so we're, uh, I'll, I'll take, well, there's, I think there's two pieces to that question. Um, so the, we, we have, actually, I'll let Matt talk about the Interview Labs website and I'll, and I'll, I'll say something about, uh, you, you said earlier, you know, are you just putting another sort of paint of coat on the same thing? Um, and the answer to that is, is no, we're, we're putting, we're, we're approaching this from the, from the perspective of reliability. So if you if you go outside of network engineering and to any other engineering field, um, I, I love to give this example. My neighbor is a, is a control systems and materials engineer and he builds and he builds systems, right? There's just not systems that we're familiar with, but like, you know, I have furnaces and, and control systems and PLTs <laughs> and all this stuff, right? And before he knows, before he ever turns, he turns the switch on the very first time, he knows what every single, uh, what every measurement um, is supposed to be for every single component in that system. And he is taking measurements from the very moment he turns that thing on. He knows ahead of time exactly how that system should behave and how to, how to measure and test it, right? And, and it, all of that is automated, and, you know, we need to adopt that as, as, as network engineers, right? It's, it's being adopted. That's what site reliability engineering is really incorporating a lot of stuff from outside of, I, you know, outside of tech in, into tech, um, proven methods, right, for, for approaching automation. And, and we want to bring that to network engineering. And that's, that's kind of new, right? Like, how do you measure if the network is operating correctly? I mean, you can ping, but is that really... What you're, I mean, it's a very complicated system. Is that really a, a suitable measurement, right? Right. So, um, so we want to completely change, uh, and, and it comes down to test-driven sort of, you know, a test-driven approach. Um, you know, you, you start with defining what you, how you think the system should should be behaving, and and how it's measured, and then writing tests for, for for uh, you know for for taking and and evaluating those measurements. Um, early on in the process, if not the very first thing you do. So that's, that's fundamentally the difference, right? And, and we know that this is a new way um, of thinking about it. So uh, I'll, I'll let Matt take over from here. So we're, you know, we, we want to evangelize this, we want people to get involved. And, and so we, we have done something really awesome, Matt, you want to take over? Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah, <clears throat> to Derek, actually, to, to Brian, your earlier point where you said, like, a lot of this stuff is complicated, like, there's no doubt that that's true. Um, I, I think that we're at, we're at the point now in the industry where we, like I said, in the very, very beginning of this call where I mentioned adoption is still really low and we have to think about why, like, why is it, why is it the case that, 
you know, 10 years after the, almost 10 years after the Nicira acquisition, which pains me um, because it, it makes me feel old, but um, uh, you know, te- almost, almost 10 years after like SDN really first started getting kicked off in earnest. Um, how is it that we're still so very CLI driven box by box, um, you know, basically hack and slashing your way through your note. How is it that we're still here? Um, <clears throat> and, and, and I think, I, I don't think the problem is a motivation problem. People like people outside of networking or, you know, maybe people that aren't, aren't, you know, in the, in the weeds, they like to think, well, uh, you know, well, network engineers, they just, they're set in their ways and, and they just don't like to change and whatnot. Um, I, I, I don't think that that's, that's fair. Um, I, I think, I think the real, the real thing that needs to be considered is, 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 uh, you know, do we have sort of to the book switch? Like, do we have a path that is unobstructed? Um, have we given people specific, um, specific things to do, like specific and tangible and prescriptive things to do instead of just saying, well, adopt DevOps. And that's, you know, that's it. Like, that's not helpful. Like we need to be prescriptive. Um, I think the problem is we've created a lot of barriers, you know, accidentally, like we've created so many barriers just by, by virtue of the fact that this, this space is complicated. Um, and in many ways you have to be an expert in automation in order to learn automation. Um, I'm guilty of this. I've done talks and workshops where I'm like, you know, Hey, you know, learning Ansible is really easy. Just make sure you have Vagrant installed. And Oh, by the way, you got to have Git patched to this version because of this bug. And, and, uh, you know, Oh, by the way, like you got to use these scripts and you got to know how Python works. Like, it's 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 all over the place. Um, you you end up having to learn like the thing you want to learn. You got to spend ninety percent of your time over the next like three months just getting the the environment prepped, which is usually its own research activity um, in and of itself, which is unacceptable. And I think if you think of, about automation being that for most network engineers, who by the way are busy fighting fires most of the time, um, it's 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 not really a surprise why we're at the place where we're at. So the question is, how do we solve these barriers? Like, how do we get these barriers to be taken down? Like, how do we, how do we reduce the complexity of people picking up these skills or at least getting some basic experience with um, the different tools that are in this space, the different methodologies, you know, sort of what Derek was saying, like, how do I, how do, how can I get ahead of the problem and start doing things like test driven um, network operations instead of like, well, you know, I made a change at 3 a.m. and I'm going to ping that dusty server and it looks like it's pinging. So I'm going to go home. Like, how do we move beyond that? Um, with again, with while placing as, as little burden on the learner to spend an inordinate amount of time learning these things. So one, this is, you know, just one of the things we're working on. There's a bunch of things we're doing, like from our channel partners perspective, like putting my Juniper hat on, there's stuff we're doing there, but taking my Juniper hat off, like one of the things that, that Derek and I have been very passionate about is like providing something tangibly to, to help with this adoption problem. Um, and for sure, Juniper's paying us to do this. But one of the things um, that we've been doing is we've been working on this open source project um, uh, called Antidote, but we've, we've uh, created an instance of it um, called NRE Labs, which is a, a website. And it's really cool. Like I said, the open source project um, that sits behind it makes this possible. But if you think about NRE, uh, about the learning experience that's needed, where you say, my earlier example, hey, I need to learn Ansible. But in order to learn Ansible, I need to learn like these five other things just to get the environment right. Like what if that wasn't the case? What if you could get what if you could get dropped off right at the point where you're ready to learn the thing you wanted to learn, but you don't have to sacrifice like the, you know, you don't have to make sacrifices in terms of interactivity. I think this is one of the cool things about blog posts. Like I'll blog about like, you know, Ansible 101, for instance, but that's not very interactive. You know, it's very easy. You don't need to have anything installed to read, to read a blog post, but it's also not very interactive. Um, what if you didn't have to make that choice? What if you could interact with everything that you needed to interact with all in the web browser? Um, 
but you didn't have to set anything up yourself. You just simply went to the page, just like you would go to a blog post. Um, so that's what we've enabled with the Antidote Project. And NRE Labs is one specific curriculum that we're working on to help um, folks adopt um, you know, network reliability engineering principles and network automation skills and, and tools. So, so this sounds a little bit like, uh, so one of the, so, so I was at, I was at Cisco for a long time, Cisco CCIE years and years and years ago. Uh, you know, and one of the biggest things when I left that world where everything was sort of iOS or whatever, you know, OS it was at the time, you were like, what are all these Linux commands and other stuff? Right. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and the, the kind of sysadmin side of the world, the, the compute side of the world have, has solved this a little bit, right? So there's things like homebrew. So it'll install a whole bunch of stuff on your machine without you knowing things. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more like um, IDEs built into web browsers so that you don't have to set up development environments. I mean, is that, it sounds a little bit like that's kind of the concepts that you guys are trying to get at, which is like, yeah, d- don't worry about all those packages you have to install. Just kind of come to this thing and start working. Is that, is, yeah, that is, to- is there is there, an, is there like an analogy? Is, is that sort of somewhat similar? Yeah, yeah, totally. In terms of the user experience, yeah, for sure. Like one of the one of the things that we wanted to solve for was just getting getting all of the complexity of having your environment set up, like taking that off of the off of your plate. Um, and basically, and not even just like setup activities, but anything that distracts from the learning at hand, um, we we take care of on on the uh, on the back end. Like I said, it's done with the software that we built on the back end, and then of course the NRE Lab site, since it's powered by this software we we've uh we've just sort of put up a site as an example um and but yeah i mean anything that you can imagine that might distract from from learning the thing so i need to run ansible against you know these three network devices well you got to figure out how those network devices are booted uh, you got to get them running in the cloud or in you know in a hypervisor um you have to make sure they're connected together you have to have um them configured to 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 be a viable target for what you're trying to automate. Maybe you're trying to troubleshoot something. Maybe it's not a config management thing you're trying to learn. Maybe, maybe you just need a running lab that has a problem that you need to go fix with, you know, tool X. All of that setup burden is, is, is non-trivial. Um, even just for one exercise, never mind if you're trying to like learn the get, let, let, never mind if you're like trying to dive in with two feet and like learn the gamut of tools that are out there. It's non-trivial. Um, and so, yeah, any, anything we can do in terms of like re- not only reducing the setup burden, but, um, you know, I'll give an example. There's a there's a there's a lesson that we have in NRE Labs where you learn a, a project that we have called JSNappy, which is a um, sort of a testing uh, a testing project that you can write unit tests for your network, basically. Um, and and part of that te- part of that lesson is, you know, validating that your BGP configuration is is there. Um, now, naturally, because of our audience, we would hope that you know how to configure BGP, it's sort of the nature of being a network engineer. But nevertheless, it, it that task, you know, configuring BGP to match the, the lesson is a distraction. It's not what you're coming here to learn. Right. So even that stuff, even that stuff we take off of off of the plate. So so if you can think of Antidote as like a project or, pro- or a platform for reducing not only barriers, but also distractions from the task at hand. That's that was sort of why we built what we built, and it's certainly how we constructed the NRE Labs curriculum. Yeah, no, I I, I love the concept. I mean, I know um, you know one of the things that that we do a lot, uh, like when I'm over here at Red Hat, we work with a company called Catacoda that builds similar types of things. Like, hey, you want to learn Kubernetes, but you don't want to go find a bunch of boxes and do stuff. It's like, hey, just come here, fire up the web browser, and you're you know here's kind of structure for for dealing with Kubernetes. And you know, expectation is yeah, you're going to learn that stuff, but yeah, all the stuff behind the scenes is uh, kind of goes away. So as you guys are getting feedback on this, um, you know, both the concept of NRE, uh, the, the anecdote project, NRE labs, like 
what are some of the the learnings that you've that you've heard from people um, in terms of uh, you know how it's helped them learn or you know things where they've gone like oh we we, we thought we were supposed to do this you know on our on our journey and evolution but we kind of failed like what are what are some of the learnings or, or failings you've sort of heard over the last year around this space? Oh man, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> You know, a lot of a, a lot of times uh, when network engineers try to get in like um, like an automation practice going, that the, the two things they struggle with um, the most are with uh, um, tooling uh, dependencies. Uh, you know, lang- uh, both you know from a from a like a package level, you know, at the on the operating system, at, you know, at the operating system. Uh, yep. Um, but also like, you know, you download something from GitHub and there's dependencies and they struggle with that sometimes like, well, you know, I, I can't get it. To, I don't know how to get this version of this library. Right. That's a very common thing. Um, or they'll, you know, the thing is a lot of network engineers are, they're very smart. They can have all of this very complicated stuff in their head about how they're not, you know, every protocol in their network and how it's working and what the relationship is up and down the layers in the network. They know all of this information, right? And, but they're not devs. So one, I'll give you a very simple one that, that was kind of, you know, eye-opening. Um, we had someone actually say they were, so there was, there's other, you know, sort of network development communities um, out, out on the web and they were going through a tutorial on one uh, or they they intended to over lunch. And when they went to go get started, the very first thing that tutorial said was, um, in order to get started with this tutorial, you need to get an API key for the API. <laughs> and they were, and they just completely, they said, well, I'm going to go eat lunch. Right. And sit at a table. They had no idea how to do that. And, um, you know, it's like, oh man, you know, that's, that's, yeah, and it's funny. Like this is this is a trivial exercise for those in this space, but I don't think people, I think I think people still don't really truly get how divergent these two disciplines, and not even just networking. This is true of a lot of other disciplines in IT, but just how divergent the skill sets have become over the past even five to ten years. And this yeah. is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, we we did a show. I don't know, is a year ago. It was basically like, how do you talk to an API? And it was, it sort of started from like, what if you have no clue? Like, how, how do you talk to that thing? What do you, what do you need? What do you need? So yeah, it's, it's it, like, it sounds trivial. It sounds simplistic if you've lived on the development side of things. And if you've lived on the, the network or operation side, you may be like, yeah, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't know how to deal with that, but I don't have any clue. Yeah. I mean, like, just take, just take the reverse example. Like ask your average, like uh, JavaScript developer to add an access list entry to a router. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not they, it's not that they can't do it because they're stupid. Obviously that's not the case. It's just that it's not their world. Right. You know what I mean? They they could figure it out if they, you know, were left to Google for like, you know, a day or two, but it, it's just not their world. I, I think I think people I think people's expectations of of, you know, how different these different skill sets have become is is important to recognize. And part of what we're doing is you know, obviously we're not trying to, you know, we're not making the argument that network developer or network engineers need to be developers. That's not the point. Um, the point is to provide a shared experience. The point is to have an environment where it's like, okay, yeah, we're, our, our worlds are different. And at the other end of this experience, I'm not going to go become a developer. You know, most people, that's what I did, but most people don't do that. Um, and similarly, you know, developers are going to be like, wow, I feel like being a network engineer now. Like that doesn't happen. So it's not about that. It's about providing a shared experience and 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 even though and recognizing that even though we have sort of divergent skill sets, we can still meet in the middle and talk about some similar stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really valuable. I, like you said, there is there is a divergence. There, there will probably always be some amount of divergence 
But, uh, you know, it, we're going to see new new generations of people coming into the industry. Uh, you know, people talk about sort of full stack engineering. You know, may, maybe at some point people will talk about like half stack engineering and it'll just be, you know, the automation <laughs> of things. But 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 even still, it, it, you know, I think just, Brian just invented a buzzword. There we go. There we go. Half, <laughs> half stack engineering. You guys can there we go. Um, get credit. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, just, you know, we, we've we've said for a long time there you need to sort of learn even the most basic things of, of the other person's world, things like, uh, you know, source control, how to do, how to do testing, how to use things yeah. like, like Jenkins and CI. It's like, cause they could be very valuable to you. I mean, cause at the end of the day, we're no totally. longer dealing, we're no longer dealing with proprietary hardware, no longer dealing with proprietary OSs. Um, it's stuff that you can, you can integrate because they're, you know, they're fairly common. So it's, it's very, very cool that you guys are, are working on this stuff. I'm, I'm glad to, to have learned about it. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of running out of time a little bit. Um, if folks want to dig into this stuff more, we'll have, you know, we'll have a lot of links in the show notes, but just kind of, you know, simple pointers for people. What are, what are good places to go either find out about it or, or pick your guys' brains? Sure. I'll give the gamut of like resources and then Derek, uh, I'll let Derek uh, drive it home with some of the things we're working on in the near, in the near term. Uh, <clears throat> first off the, uh, the NRE lab site, as I mentioned, that's, that's just one, it's sort of like our golden curriculum that, that we're being paid to develop. Um, and so that's why we put that out there. Uh, so that's uh, labs.networkreliability.engineering. Uh, and yes, you know, like try not to be too envious of the fact that I have a .engineering domain. That I know it's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so obviously anything, that, you know, one of the things that I want to I reemphasize is this actually is not a Juniper effort. Uh, you know, they're paying us to work on this because we feel like um, this is some, one of those things where if we help the industry, we, we still benefit clearly. Um, but we don't have to like Juniper brand it and make it a whole sales thing in order to uh, in order to accomplish that goal. And so it's not a Juniper branded thing. It's totally open source. It's actually totally free. You don't have to sign up to use it. You literally just go to the page that I mentioned earlier, labs.networkreliability.engineering, and you're in. That's the whole point. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can't emphasize that enough. Um, you know, a lot of people here, oh, well, we're from Juniper, and therefore it's some kind of Juniper marketing thing, right? They just do that immediately. And I, there is no marketing wall. We don't even know who's using the website. You can just, you just put in the URL and then click on a lesson and it happens. No, no tracking. Uh, other than, you know, there's a UUID, um, that's tracked for the purpose of, you know, tracking your time with a particular lesson, but there, it collects nothing from your system and it's open source. You can look at, you can see what the, what the cookie's doing. It just, it's just, uh, an identifier to to mark that you know you're you're doing this lesson in case your browser closes out or you have to reboot your machine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just you, you, like a persistence thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can go back to your lesson, but there's no marketing wall whatsoever. In fact, um, some of the things that we're working on are um, we, we're we're soliciting and right right now we're uh, talking with a number of other companies um, and projects to to contribute lessons um, to this you know, to this site and, and contribute to the, uh, to, you know, to the, to the backend, uh, framework that, that drives it. So like people, uh, companies and projects that would, people would think are, um, are our competitors. And we're not, we're not announcing that just yet because we, we just sort of started this over the last, uh, few months, but th- this has always been, this has always been our objective is, is to make it vendor neutral, uh, be, mainly because, uh, for Juniper, um, it's pretty rare for us to have customers that are entirely Juniper uh, in their network. In fact, um, it's I've never seen that myself, right? I'm sure there are some small networks that are entirely Juniper, but when any any network that's scaled that has a you know data center and, and campus and all these different things is almost invariably multi-vendor. So that's 
it's always been the intention of the site to do that. So we we will have lessons coming from other um, other organizations, open source projects, other other networking companies. Uh, that that's coming down the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, um, th- there's other uh, just sort of media networking network engineering media sites. Um, again, I, I don't want to get into we're we're been, we're talking with. Uh, a couple of different ones that are they're sort of hubs for network engineers to go and and see what kind of new things are coming out and what other network engineers are doing. Um, those a couple of those uh, sites are we're, we're talking to to get uh, like a partnership going. Um, uh, and you know, in general, we're we're building the community. You know, we yeah. Uh, that's well, at least that's what I'm I'm currently working on. But we have. You know, we we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline um, in terms of lessons and and uh, and community events. We're uh, we're going to be doing a hackathon uh, pretty soon, um, both in, well multiple hackathons in in Europe and in the states uh, to get you know to get people jump started and how to how to contribute and yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and it's all on GitHub. Like, if you want to contribute, like all of the curriculum that we run is on GitHub as well. Not just the software that you that we that we run; it's also the curriculum. So, if you, I'll put it in the show notes for you, Brian. But um, GitHub.com/nre-learning/antidote is sort of the hub for a lot of what we do in the open source space. So, yeah, I think the long and short of it is this isn't something that we're just trying to do where we educate the industry of of automation. That's not really the point. Right. Um, we're creating this as a, as a loudspeaker for others to project their own experience. Like yeah. we'll participate there, but it's much more than just a you know, Matt and Derek or Juniper show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. I like, I mean, I like the premise behind it, obviously having, having sort of lived through that transition myself. Um, you know, we, we talk to people that are still struggling with it, but you know, I, I like the, the community approach to it. It, it lets, you know, it lets uh, new ideas come into it. Like you guys said, there's, there's stuff you're working on, but, but isn't, you know, kind of baked out yet. People can, people can reach out to you. They can see if they want to get involved. They can find out what's going on. So I like it. Uh, very, very cool stuff, folks. Um, all this stuff will, will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to go find it. Um, if you're interested in in the NRE concepts, if you're interested in the, the software behind it, um, or you just want to reach out to, to either uh, or Matt or Derek, who are very, very uh, open to talking to people, you know, have been around the industry for a long time, lots of experience. So, uh, guys, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for for educating me and, and educating the audience on this thing. I know, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the RE topic, whether it's NRE or SRE, is, uh, is becoming very, very interesting to people. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up uh, for both. Matt and Derek and uh, and for Aaron and myself. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for rating the show on iTunes. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 